0: Welcome back to Challenge Call of Max and Avery. I'm your host, Max.
1: And I am Avery. How are you guys?
0: Alright, I am going to have a new camera coming sometime soon. Mine was actually under warranty still, so I don't have to pay anything for it. So, yay there, but right now I'm on the old laptop camera, so I might not look too great. But, we're going to roll with it. Uh, Avery, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good, man. Uh, Spent the night with my son and uh kind of no homework tonight so it was kind of weird so i actually just got a full family night which was nice because i haven't had that in forever just like spending it with my wife and my son so it was a good time
0: nice all right well we'll get right into today's episode for you guys uh we'll go ahead and start it up with cubs corner a little update on the cubs Avery, what do you got for us?
1: Yeah, so the Cubs, man, they are in 78-69 and right now, second place in the NL Central. We're only two and a half games back from Milwaukee. So two and a half games, and what did we say? We play Milwaukee at the end of the September, and we're closing the gap. So there's a good shot, man, that the Cubs take first place in the NL Central. If we can handle the business, our pitching's gotten better, we're getting ready for October baseball, and we might make a push at this.
0: When do the playoffs start? Are, is the Brewers the last team we have to play, or do we have anyone in between them still?
1: Yeah, so the Brewers are the last team that we play officially, and that is September 28th, 29th, and 30th. And then uh, – Playoff baseball starts October 5th. So that's when the wild card games start. So if we win, we won't be a wild card team. So we won't play until like October 11th. But as of right now, we're a wild card team. So we're probably slated to play October 5th.
0: So, one way or another, we will be going to the playoffs, though, regardless.
1: Uh, unless we have, like, a total collapse, we would have to lose, like, the last, like, seven out of ten games, which I don't see that happening. I mean, I as long as we're in first place in the first wildcard spot right now, so we would definitely have to, like, fall off a cliff.
0: Gotcha. All right. Well, We'll get a little bit more into football here then, now we got that update. Uh, we are recording Thursday night right now. It is actually the third quarter of the Vikings and the Eagles game, so uh, I know I have it up on the TV. I'm kind of watching right now. I'm sure Avery's paying close attention to things going on there too, but first we'll start off with a new bit of a segment we're going to do. We are going to do the Heisman Spotlight, so we're going to kind of track who is in contention for the Heisman race. And we're just going to give a little breakdown of how their weeks are going. uh, The last game that they had and the upcoming game that they'll be going to. So Avery, why don't you get us
1: started with that? Yeah, man. So Caleb Williams is our Heisman front runner. He won the Heisman last year. Uh, Hey, Max has strong words of Caleb Williams but this guy's incredible. You got to give the guy his due. He is literally the Patrick Mahomes of college football right now. He makes every single throw that Patrick Mahomes can make in the NFL and he's doing it at a college level. Uh, yeah, they got a lot of talent at USC but like his stats speak for himself, man. Like last week 19 for 21, three incompletions. That's insane. 281 yards and three touchdowns. Last week they played, um, and I'll pull up stats, but uh, they played Stanford. Okay, you know, bottom dweller of the uh, Pac-12. But still, that's still a great stat line. And he had one rushing touchdown.
0: That is a good stat line. I do have to say, though, of all these stat lines, sure, only three incompleted passes, but or two incompleted passes, two. 19 for 21. But at the same time, he threw the least attempts, too. Not by far, per se. Uh, the next next number is twenty four. There's a couple twenty nine, but still, he had the least attempts. So at the same time, only missing a couple of them. I I just don't like Caleb Williams. I'll I'll give credit where credit is due. Game wise, he is a good football player. Personality wise, I do not like him the whole fuck Utah thing on his nails. And that's that's one of the reasons I love Utah, frankly. It has nothing to do with Utah and all to do with Caleb Williams because he wrote fuck Utah on his nails and Utah went and fucked him. And I just thought that was so hilarious that I had to be a Utah fan at that point.
1: I agree. I, I mean, but like you said, you can't fault the guy for the way he plays. And he plays incredibly. He plays the position incredibly. Um, and the reason he only threw – he only passed the ball 21 times is because they he got sat in the third quarter. They were up 44-10 to 10 going into, like, the fourth quarter. So he didn't even play that fourth quarter. So, like, yeah – At this point, it's like you saw a USC is the breadwinner of the Pac-12 right now. Right now, they are the best team in the Pac-12. We'll see when they play teams like Colorado or other teams like that. But Caleb Williams right now, he's showing what he can do.
0: Yep. USC is currently ranked number five overall in the uh, top 25 rankings. And I don't care if he was sat in the third quarter. I'm not saying he didn't get snaps because he's not good. But, like, sure, you missed two passes of a low attempt rate. Like, I could throw five completed passes, be 100%, and, like, woo, I threw five passes. Like, I I don't care where they came or what happened that I only got five, but that's the point (laughs) I was trying to make.
1: For sure, I understand. Uh, They do play Arizona State next, so a little bit more of a competition. But
0: and it's after their bye week, though. They yeah. do have a bye week this upcoming week. So that'll be next Saturday that they yeah. play Arizona
1: State. And so we'll see how that goes. I think that'll be an interesting game. I mean, I expect USC to still win probably by 14 at least. But, I mean, 13 touchdowns on the year, 878 yards. Like, that's hard to, like, through three games. Like, because they played week zero, too.
0: For sure. But it has nothing to do on our next Heisman uh, candidate that you have here. You say his name. I ain't going to do Michael, it. Quarterback from Washington.
1: Yeah, Michael Penix Jr. Quarterback Penix, from Jun- Washington.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And another crazy stat is he's another Pac-12 quarterback. This is insane. Pac-12,
0: the Pac-12, honestly, like half of the Pac-12 is ranked right now. Washington's currently number eight. Colorado is 16, USC is 5, we mentioned it earlier, Utah's 12. Honestly, as much belittling as we did of the Pac-12 during this whole everyone leaving, teams reshuffling, all that jazz, uh, the Pac-12 is certainly making a name for itself this year.
1: Yeah, no, um, the cool thing with the Pac-12 is I feel like they felt disrespected. A lot of the teams in the Pac-12 felt disrespected. Like they're like, why didn't the Big 12 give up? We have better teams than the Big 12. And then they're going out and they're showing, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And Michael Penix is one of the perennial uh, like players for the Pac-12 right now and the Washington Huskies. Like this guy, he threw for 409 yards, three touchdowns and one pick, 28 for and how 28. Many?
0: How- I was just going to say, how many
1: incompleted passes did he have? None. And so, like, that is insane. And the one pick was on a two-point conversion, so that's why it doesn't go against his completion rating. Um, But, no, this guy, I like this story of Michael Penix Jr. because the cool thing with Michael Penix Jr. is he was a quarterback at Indiana two years ago. He was the starting quarterback for Indiana two years ago, and he transferred to the, uh, Washington because Indiana thought they had a better quarterback, and so he kind of got the boot. And he's made a name for himself out in Washington, and he's looking to be probably a top draft pick this upcoming year.
0: Well, props to him. I'd, I'd love to hear a good success story of the school I was at just wasn't wasn't seeing my value, didn't think I was right, going somewhere else, kind of showing him what's what. Uh, good for him. That's that's awesome. Uh, nine touchdowns this season, the same 878 yards. I'm just saying. Uh, as far as this Heisman race goes, I know Caleb Williams got it last year, but just based off the two stat lines that we've seen right now alone, obviously I think we know who I'd be putting my vote in for.
1: For sure. I And I agree. Uh, but, and, so, Michael Penix is returning to the Big Ten this week. He's going to be playing a Big Ten school in Michigan State. He's familiar with playing Michigan State back when he was at Indiana. So, this will be an intriguing game to see if he can perform.
0: Definitely. Uh, back in the Big Ten, this, this will be his real back in the conference, kind of like, hey, see how successful I am now. That game's going to happen Saturday at four. This coming Saturday, they do not have a bye week. So that'll be good to see. Um, Next up, we have Jordan Travis. He is the quarterback at Florida State, currently ranked number three in the rankings. Tell us more about Jordan.
1: Yeah, no, Jordan Travis, he's another quarterback. I think from the statistics alone, he probably had the worst week out of our Heisman spotlights, but he also played the best competition in LSU. So, definitely, yeah, I mean, 15 for 29, 175 yards, and two touchdowns, rushing 20 yards. Like, LSU is a good program. They have a good defense. They always have. And Jordan Travis managed that game well. He played well against uh, LSU. And he's got Florida up in the top five in years Florida State has not been in the top five in years, and Jordan Travis is a major reason why. Um, he... that's,
0: that's nice to see. It's nice to see teams kind of moving around a little bit, not just getting the same consistent teams over and over and over again. So seeing all these Pac-12 teams, and then seeing Florida State up there as well, is just it's it's nice to see a little bit of new new fandoms kind of entering the moment, the spotlight.
1: For sure. And the cool thing with this, too, is uh, Florida State and Jordan Travis, they kind of took over what Clemson was in the ACC this year. Like they, they are the team to beat in the ACC. Clemson, we've seen it for years. Uh, and this isn't related to Heisman Spotlight, but uh, did you see what uh, fucking uh, Dabo Sweeney said about uh, his offense in Iowa? He's like, when you're getting... Compared- oh,
0: yeah, I did.
1: When you're getting compared to a Brian Ferentz, Iowa offense, I was like, are you kidding me? Um, I
0: mean, can you blame him?
1: I don't blame him (laughs) one bit. Not at at all. But uh, getting back to Jordan Travis, he has seven touchdowns on the year, um, 517 yards, and one pick. I mean, you can't beat that. Like, he's had a good year so far. Um, They do play Boston College, an ACC rival, and that is when? Saturday?
0: Saturday at 11. Saturday
1: at 11. So that will be an intriguing game to kind of witness and see how he can perform against the ACC foe. Uh, But, yeah, um, he's another name to watch for. Another one is your boy and your second favorite team, Shador Sanders. He has had a hell of a year. I got to give him mad props. Uh, Let me let you – I want you to talk about Shador Sanders.
0: Shador Sanders, baby. Killing it at Colorado with his dad, Deion Sanders. Uh, Colorado currently ranked 18. Couldn't tell you the last time they were ranked. You, you want to talk about being compared to Iowa's offense? Try being compared to Colorado's offense last year. That would have been the true insult. But uh, DJ Deion Sanders has got that shit turned around. His son Shador is killing it uh 31 for 34 393 yards three touchdowns no interceptions that's crazy all all season he's got 900 yards already that's more than anybody else on this stat line he is he is just killing the game right now just yeah. killing the game
1: and it is impressive it is impressive seeing his jump from Jackson State where he balled out at Jackson State and he hasn't missed a step He has not missed a step at the higher level, higher playing level. And he's performed in six touchdowns on the year so far, 83.7 QBR rating. This guy, he could end up walking away, especially with all the hype that Colorado's getting, if they keep winning, and I expect them to probably drop one or two throughout the year, but still, if he still performs, USC and Caleb Williams, they lost two last year, and he still won the Heisman. It's not about win-loss record for Heisman. It's the best player.
0: Definitely. Heisman and- entitles so much more than just like, uh, what was your record? Because, I mean, even just look at the rankings. We've got five guys up here, and oh, only yeah. two of them are in the top five teams. Mm -hmm. you know so it's like it's not all about ranking win loss all that some of it is just a more analytical evaluation of like you relative to that team and to your competition and
1: all of that for sure and they do play colorado state this upcoming week at what yep at 9 p.m on saturday so this will be an interesting game uh i expect Colorado to come and steamroll Colorado State and him have another 300 yard performance and three touchdowns. Colorado State's not that good of a program, at least right now. Um, and Colorado's got things moving in the right direction.
0: But yeah, Colorado, Colorado is definitely going to take it to Colorado State. Um, they might put up somewhat of a fight. I don't know. I remember I was looking. I think they're 0-1 or 0-2 so far this year. I'm not sure against two, but yeah, I don't, I don't think they're anything too crazy special right now.
1: For sure. And so our final quarterback, Sam Hartman. We have talked about Sam Hartman on this podcast already. Uh, but he's doing well at Notre Dame. And, you know, you can say they don't play anybody. They don't. Like Notre Dame, they really, they play Central Michigan this upcoming week. And last week they played North Carolina State. I mean, but Sam Hartman still looks like an NFL quarterback. He reminds he me Santa, of our Cousins. What I
0: watched his game against Navy, and definitely he is a very competent quarterback. He does a great job for them. Um, I, Notre Dame has some people coming up on their schedule. They don't, they haven't played anybody yet. But also, there's there's a lot of other teams in that same boat that haven't really played anybody yet. You know, squeaking away with some of the low level games, some of those. Preseason esque pre-conference play games. So I, I don't count Notre Dame out on that fact. Just I Sam Hartman definitely deserves to be in contention of this talk. Uh, he's an excellent quarterback. He's a fifth year, isn't he? This is his, he is. Yeah, he yeah. played at
1: Wake Forest for uh, his whole career and transferred as a, a senior. So, I mean, he is senior redshirt, I think. But, um, yeah, he went 15 for 24, 286 yards and four TDs. This is like, we talked about Jared Goff being steady in the NFL. This is a Jared Goff stat line. Like, he's always going to win you a game. He's not going to lose you a game, and he can also win you a game. And I like this aspect of Sam Hartman. 11 TDs on the year, 731 yards. He's been balling out. Uh, yeah, they play Central Michigan this upcoming week, but in two weeks they play number six, Ohio State. So you're right. They do play some play uh, teams. And this... Ohio state game and they played 21 duke right after. So, those 2 weeks and the next 3 weeks we're going to see what Sam Hartman really is made of and if he can row the boat and he can get Notre Dame past both those schools. Like I got a feeling that he jumps from 5 on this list up to 2 or to 3.
0: Oh, definitely. I if he if he can get by both those with wins, both those playing well, I, he definitely moves up to one of the top guys. And like you said, top three in contention for this. Uh, but yeah. Do you have these listed in order that they're kind of being prospected <clears throat> right now, I assume?
1: Yeah, I do. I listed them uh, one through five from uh, the ESPN article that comes out every Sunday about the Heisman candidates. I want to, want to talk about one more thing with the Heisman spotlight before we move on. All of these players are quarterbacks, and we've talked about it before. Unfortunately, like the days of a running back or a wide receiver or even a defensive player winning the Heisman, they're numbered, man. Like, I feel like it's such a quarterback award. I know we talked about it last year with Max Duggan and C.J. Stroud and Stetson Bennett as those three, but – It sucks like because I feel like there's so many other great players out there that should be considered or even in the top five, and they listed all five quarterbacks.
0: It's just hard because quarterbacks have so much game-managing potential. I mean, when you look at just the sheer amount of stats you can produce out as a quarterback, like you have completion percentages, touchdowns thrown, yards rushing, yards passing, all this jazz – Whereas it's like, all right, receivers, what do you got? Yards receiving, like touchdowns, r- running backs. You got r- yards rushing, touchdowns. Like there's just so many more stats to follow and track on top of the fact that just, like we said, quarterbacks control the game. Like they they are the ones kind of solely in charge of controlling a game, getting the ball around, managing, managing the game. They're the game managers. So it's kind of hard when, you're talking about, okay, who is like one of the most important people on this football team? Well, on any given team, a huge, huge chunk of that is probably going to be the quarterback because without them, you really don't have much of a team. Um, it's unfortunate. I agree with you. It'd be nice to see some other positions kind of rotated in there, but I I think you're right. That's just kind of the way it is. That's the way the game game goes. Game is moving and I, I would be very, very surprised if a non-quarterback kind of jumps into this contention Anyway, I'll, I'll name
1: one player that I could see jumping into this suit, and it's going to be Travis Hunter in Colorado. For the way he's been performing at cornerback and wide receiver, that's the only way a non-quarterback could probably win this award, is and that, a two-way player.
0: Exactly. that. That is – that's all you gotta say right there. Playing both ways, like, well, there you go. You just kind of double a stat line. You got, yep. You got sacks, tackles, interceptions. You got uh, receptions, pat, rushing yards or receiving yards, touchdowns. That that right there can really show. If you can show that you can play both ways, super efficiently and super well, like that is the one thing that could potentially propel you past. Okay,
1: quarterback level, you know, importance to a team for sure. And so it time will tell, you know, like we said with Sam Hartman, Travis Hunter, it, like if he keeps performing, like we could put him as the honorable mention. Uh, he wasn't on the list, but if he keeps performing, they play Oregon in 2 weeks. That's going to be the real test for Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter at that aspect.
0: Definitely. So, uh, moving away from our Heisman spotlight though and just getting into a little more college football in general. We'll go ahead and talk our Iowa team now. So let's talk Hawks. Um, Iowa is back to the ranking number 25. I know we mentioned that last week. They will play Western Michigan this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Not going to be able to watch much of that game. Might catch the fourth quarter if I'm lucky. But um, Western Michigan, they're one and one. They're a lower level team. We should walk away with a win.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be an easy win for us. I'm not saying any game is easy for Iowa, but I feel like this is going to be an easier on-our-schedule win. Um, Caden McNamara, I think this is the game that he comes out and shines uh, because Western Michigan is a tune-up game for Michigan every single year. So he's used to this team. He's used to this uh, defense, and I think he'll come out and he'll perform Pretty decent. Same with Eric All. I think those two are going to have the best connection and the best game that they've played all year so far.
0: Um, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see how many points an Iowa offense is actually going to be capable of putting on the board. (laughs)
1: Speaking of points, Iowa is, uh, by Vegas, is predicted minus 28 and a half right now. That... That's crazy. I mean, twenty eight's a lot for any Iowa team.
0: I, that's I was going to say. That's bold to assume that they're even going to score twenty eight points.
1: <laughs> right. But on the off chance we do, is this a game that Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz keeps the starters in all game long, even if we're up forty two to zero? Because to pat the stat line yes. for Brian Ferentz as like the yes. offensive coordinator,
0: one one hundred percent. I I do not doubt that Brian Ferentz is like nah, keep the offense in, keep the starters in, like ramp up the score. It's like, Hey, what do you want to do here? You know, we're going into the half. There's five seconds. So you're throw whatever. It's like, Hey, let's fuck it. Yeah. Like let's hail Mary it. Fucking score there. I, I don't doubt that he's going to be trying to score, especially because his number right now is 25 points a game. Well, I was had two games and they have yet to hit 25 <clears> points in either of those games the bigger piece of bullshit that I hate about this is currently on the uh, contract update or whatever. They have Iowa listed as 22 points a game averaging right now. That is Iowa as a team, not Iowa's offense because as right. you remember Castro had to pick six, that is a defensive touchdown defensive score. I don't think it should have anything to do with, with Brian Ferentz's 25-point-per-game contract, but apparently it does, and I think that is total bullshit.
1: I do, too, because Iowa is pretty good scoring defense. I think uh, Iowa, usually we average three to seven defensive scores a uh, year, uh, and that includes kick returns and punt returns also, and I also don't think those should belong. Yeah. In those those should
0: go to LeVar Woods and those should go yeah. to Phil Parker. Like, th- like yep. that is their team. Like they are the special teams and, and the defensive coordinators. coordinators. They have nothing to do with Brian Farns and how he runs the offense.
1: For sure. I agree a hundred percent, man. And so like the one aspect about this is, it comes back to the age old question, Iowa plays down to their competition. They play up to their competition, but they also play down. Is this a trap game for Iowa? Is there any part of this that could we could lose in your mind? I don't
0: think there's any part of this that we lose. I think there is the potential to come out flat, to come out a little bit unexpected of like, maybe Iowa will be down at some point in the game. But I think ultimately, despite being potentially down at some point, the shit will click in their head and they'll be like, Oh, I got to, I got to step it up here. Like, Oh, we need to make a play happen. We need to do this or that. I think they win. I, I really don't have a doubt in my head that they win this game, but I, I could see it being more of a struggle or a closer game than, you know, either of us would actually like to see
1: for sure. A hundred percent. And the next question I got is, is it going to be Jazzy on P- uh, Patterson or Caleb Johnson getting most of the uh, Attempts at running back because, like, we saw last week Jazzy and uh, Patterson did amazing as a friend. Just call him Jazz. Jazz. Okay. Yeah. Jazz (laughs) uh, Patterson. He did amazing at running back. And so, like, my next question is okay, like, who are we going to see here? Do we got a two headed monster in the backfield now? Or I think they are
0: different kind of guys because Jazz is a little smaller. Like, he's built. Don't get me wrong. But I think he's a little smaller of a faster guy. Whereas Caleb, he's he's a little bigger built. He's more your, you know, power yeah. eye back, like go shove it in the hole. I think Jazz is a little more of your zone kind of back. He's shifty, he's gonna get around defense. So I think I think we have a bit of a two headed monster with like some quick speed coming out of the backfield, as well as some like heavy down, hard hitting, like power run coming out of the backfield with Caleb. They got a,
1: yeah, they got a little bit of Deontay Foreman Khalil Herbert action going in Chicago. Yeah. So that's uh that's what's up. That's what's up. I I was curious because like I enjoyed seeing Jazz out there. He looked good. He looked sharp. So I want to see more attempts from Jazz this week.
0: Definitely. I I'd, I'd love to see Jazz in the I I like Jazz a lot and I really didn't I didn't know he was going to be like a big contributor like this or anything. I don't know if he was supposed to be or if it just kind of happened and like Everyone was surprised, but I, I love that he's out on the field and he's making things happen right now. I'm, I'm proud of him. <laughs> For sure.
1: Spoken like a true coach.
0: <laughs> uh, but anyway, moving off of Iowa a little bit, um, another big game that we just wanted to mention before we move on to the NFL, we have got Georgia versus South Carolina. Georgia is currently ranked number one. In the top 25 rankings right now, South Carolina is unranked. Um, this game is happening the exact same time as the Iowa game. Avery, why did why did you want to mention this game?
1: Yeah, and man, I figured we talked college football throughout the year. We haven't talked about the number one team in the country, right? And so, like, I figured this is, you know, we we've talked South Carolina in the past on our podcast. And so I figured this is a good game to mention. This is uh, actually Georgia's first real test of the year. Because
0: yeah, um, who who have they played so far? Who are the first two
1: two they, games they yeah, had? They played UT Martin, which is an FCS school, and they won forty eight yeah. to seven. And then they played Ball State, which is a MAC school, and they won forty five to three. So, So like, they've had
0: no competition so far,
1: (laughs) no competition at all. And so, like, this was like a game I highlighted because I was like, okay, because I think South Carolina, they as crappy as they used to be, but they still got Spencer Rattler and like they still have a good program down there. Shane Beamer is a good coach. And so, like, I think South Carolina could come out, maybe not win, but shock Georgia in the first half. I think they, this goes into halftime being 17 to 10 South Carolina. And they're like, oh, or 10 to three or 10 to seven South Carolina. And Georgia has to face some adversity for the first time all year.
0: That being said, uh, two parter here. One, do you think Georgia can handle that di- uh, adversity? And two, do you think that Georgia is deserving of the number one ranking right now? Or do you think there's potential that they lose it after this game even if they win
1: i think if it's a close game they can move down to two maybe three um to be honest uh out of all the teams in the top five right now i think florida state should be ranked number one um because they've actually played lsu they've played teams uh that are be- that are supposed to be better than them um and so, like to be honest, I don't think Georgia is deserving, but they are their national champs. They are the uh, coming in national champs. I think they, you know, they always get a boost in the polls because of that reason. Um, but you know, South Carolina—they played North Carolina tough in the first game of the year, thirty-one to seventeen, and
0: they, for those you know, uh, for those that don't know. Top five teams, we have Georgia, number one, Michigan, number two, Florida State, we already mentioned, number three, Texas actually is number four, and then as we mentioned, UCS is number five. So you're saying Florida State would be in that number one spot.
1: I think Florida State or even Texas, I'm not even going to lie, what Texas did last week against Alabama was damn impressive. And so like, I really think like those games, those two teams should be one and two because it's not what you did last year. It should be what you have done this year. And that's the one thing that I don't like about the top 25 polls. I feel like it has a recency bias of the previous year. And it's been like that from the age old time. And that's why Georgia is number one right now. If I'm putting a poll out there, I think – Texas should be number one, Florida state, number two, that could be either direction. I would put Florida state or Texas one and two. It's like one, a one B. And then I think it goes Georgia.
0: For sure. And I, I can understand a recency bias from perspectives of one coaching staff. Yeah. If you have a successful coaching staff, if it's the same coaching staff, I think you kind of have to look at that as like a, okay, this staff will most likely have a big impact on this team. And last year they were doing things right. They're still going to be doing things right. And then two, uh, this doesn't necessarily support Georgia being number one, but um, just the returning players. I think if you have a recency bias of looking at the players returning, then that should be a no brainer. You know, like if Georgia returns uh, 20 of their 22 starters, then yeah, they're going to be ranked number one. That last year's number one end of the season that won it all, 20 of them came back, you know? you only replaced two guys. Now, for Georgia, that is not the case. Um, Because obviously, one, their quarterback, Stetson Bennett, who, as we were mentioning earlier, is just a huge, crucial part of an entire football team or an entire offense, he's gone. So I'm not saying that argument can be made for Georgia specifically. But in general, I think a little bit of recency bias just kind of stems from these known great players are still on this team, they came back, this known successful coaching staff still on this team, they're back. I think that's where a little bit of that bias can kind of creep in. And I mean that's just how the brain works in general, you know? Like you ask, Oh, who's a good team? Like, oh, I don't know, let me think about last year, what happened, like probably
1: this team. <laughs> Right, but like you said, the evidence doesn't support Georgia because even on the defensive side of the ball, Jalen Carter, he's gone. Keely Ringo, he's gone. But the recency bias does support Florida State. Jordan Travis came back. Etienne, their running back, came back. Texas, Quinn Ewers came back. Like, you got some of these guys that they should be one and two, and here's Georgia still at number one, unfortunately.
0: And – and that might change after this South Carolina game if they struggle enough. But time will tell with that. Uh, moving on from college, let's get into the NFL a little bit. Um, we'll start with a little bit of a recap here. Since we last spoke, we had uh, the Bills playing the Jets. Aaron Rodgers' <sighs> famous game. Mon- was it, Monday night? Yeah, Monday night yeah. football. Uh, Aaron Rodgers played three snaps. snaps. <laughs> and Four four snap. Sta- okay, well, a successful three snaps, I yeah. I should say. On yeah. the fourth snap, he snapped his Achilles. <laughs> and um, the Jets The Jets still did end up winning this game, actually, which is a little surprising. Uh, Zach Wilson did manage to pull off the win, but uh, I, I don't know. Josh Allen, I, I think a big part of that is accredited to the Jets' defense. Oh, my goodness. Josh yeah. Allen, I mean, three interceptions, wow. one fumble, like, dude. I mean, thanks because I won fantasy due to the due to his uh, poor performance, but still, just
1: yikes, dude. So I got a couple of things for this. Aaron Rodgers, I've, and this is just coming as a Bears fan. I've wished ill on Aaron Rodgers for the last twenty years of my life. Not twenty, but last. Like 15 years of my life. I've wished ill on Aaron Rodgers. I hope he got hurt. I hope we didn't have to face him. And me wishing all that and all these Bears fans wishing that on Aaron Rodgers. And it just took him to put on a Jets uniform to snap his Achilles and be out for the year? Can you believe that? Um Yeah, no, um, it sucks. Uh if you were a Jets fan, they got like what's worse than being a Bears fan, being a Jets fan. Um I mean, it
0: it, it sucks for Packers right now too, though, because remember his, uh, their whole deal, his trade was stipulated on him getting 60% of the snaps on the Jets. So the Packers are not going to get their first round pick they wanted for this because he's not getting 60% of the snaps this year.
1: He is getting uh, like 0.1% of the snaps this year. Yeah, (laughs) barely. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, no, this really sucks uh, for Jets. I do feel bad for the Jets because they have an all-star cast and that defense really showed like they could have made some noise this year. And, and they
0: still potentially could a little could. bit.
1: Zach Wilson didn't look terrible. He looked like he learned a couple of things from Rodgers in the off season, which is a big benefit for having a, one of the greatest quarterbacks mentoring you. Like, I hate to say it. Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks and uh, to have him mentor you and be on the sideline and be your emotional support coach is going to be huge for Zach Wilson this year. And he'll be there. I guarantee you, Aaron Rodgers because I know him and Zach Wilson got along really, really well. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out for the Jets uh, season. I know they were talking about that. They were going to be a nine, 10, 11, win team. More like a seven five eight, six nine. seven <laughs> Yeah, maybe nine, borderline nine. But that defense is for real. Jordan Whitehead, uh, three picks in one game is insane. He was the best uh best uh Jets receiver on the field and he plays DB for the Jets. Um yeah, Josh Allen, what the fuck? I'm sorry, part of my language, but what the fuck? Yeah,
0: that was not a Josh Allen performance, right? That was not a Bills performance right there. That was, I don't know what happened. I don't know why it happened, but yeah, that was, that was yikes.
1: And like the one thing I think is we mentioned Brian Dable and what the Giants did and everything uh, last year with Brian Dable as their head coach. Like he misses Buffalo, Uh, like Brian Dable doesn't miss Buffalo, but Josh Allen missed Brian Dable. Because, like, the way he plays uh, with Ken Dorsey, as offensive coordinator, is just not the same Josh Allen. I said this, and I was half joking, but, like, I half mean it. Like, Josh Allen with the shitty offensive line equals Justin Fields. I swear to God, they play the same. They have, like, similar play sets, uh, play skills, and, like, they have a cannon for arm, but, like, like... It looks like he was lost out there, man. And I don't know if we're gonna see a turnaround from Josh Allen. I bet we will, but yikes! First game of the year, he's single-handedly why the Bills kept the Jets in the game.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's it. It is just it was weird to see. You know, the Bills are supposed to be these big, huge contenders, and a part of me asked the question: like, is this truly just the Bills? Like, did they? fall off a bit of a cliff somewhere or something or is the De- jets defense are they just all that good like is the jets defense just real shit like bill's caliber stopping real shit um time will tell with that obviously as we get into their next games coming up but uh another couple games to recap we can't recap the uh, vikings and the eagles thursday night game quite yet give us about 7 minutes and 41 seconds, and <laughs> we'll be able to. But that game is currently going on. Um, Vikings just scored, actually, so now it's a 27-20 game. 27-21, extra point. But, uh, yeah, maybe this game will be over by the end of the episode. We'll let you know what happens. But <laughs> before then, um, the Raiders and the Broncos played. I checked the score i swear it was like the third quarter i checked the score in like the third quarter it was like 16 10 broncos were up i was like hey broncos are winning that's cool um told my girlfriend i'm like yeah well you know broncos are winning right now She's like are they i went checked again they lost 17 to 16 i was like oh well <laughs> never mind <laughs>
1: I'm glad we brought this up because I know the Broncos are kind of your secondary team as of lately. And uh, the Raiders, you know, have always been my second favorite team. And I love Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he kind of fits in Las Vegas. He just, he fits like a glove. He's a winner everywhere he goes. Like, I hate to say it, he might not be the best quarterback. But he knows how to win, and I've been saying that since he was in New England. Even in San Francisco, you know, rough shake, what happened with Brock Purdy, a lot of the attention gets put on Trey Lance got the shaft. Well, so did Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, with the Brock Purdy situation, Jimmy Garoppolo got the shaft, and so did Trey Lance. But Jimmy came out with a new team in the Las Vegas Raiders when not many people wanted him because Derek Carr was, you know, their type of quarterback. They love uh, Derek Carr and everything. And then he came out and he's performing well. I mean, he didn't have a great game, but 20 for 26, 200 yards, and two de- two touchdowns and one pick. And one pick was off of uh, the hands of Hunter Renfro. So, like, Jimmy- it's not.
0: Jimmy Garoppolo is the embodiment of a consistent game managing quarterback. He is a game manager. He is consistent day in and day out. He might not do anything crazy explosive. He might not do anything crazy fancy, but he'll get the ball where it needs to go more times than not. And he will manage the game and give your team a good chance of winning.
1: For sure. And Devontae Adams had a good game with him. Six uh, receptions for 66 yards. And we'll see if they can continue this. Uh, they play the Bills next week, the Raiders. So uh, we'll see what type of Josh Allen comes out. Uh, and maybe the Raiders could start the year at 2-0 and when nobody really thought.
0: That I would doubt. I would think yeah. the Bills are still going to take this. I think the losing to the Jets should be a bit of a wake-up call especially considering the fact that they lost to a Zach Wilson-led Jets, not an Aaron Rodgers-led Jets, but uh, it'll be a good game for sure. That is, Is that one of our noon games? Where am yeah. I looking? Yep, that is one of our noon games that'll happen on Sunday, so be prepared to watch that. But before we get into more of those, another noon game we have coming up, Bears-Buccaneers. <laughs> Uh, What are your expectations for for this Bears-Bucks
1: game? I don't know. On Sunday, I was devastated, and I thought the Bears were going to lose. And the last three days, I've talked myself up into the Bears beating the Buccaneers. I don't know how it happened. I was so devastated after Green Bay. I think it's just like being a true Bears fan. Like, you always think, you know what? We got this game. I don't know what I was thinking. Um But it's the Buccaneers, right? It's Baker Mayfield, right? Like, don't you think the Bears can pull this off? Is this a get-right game? I've been listening to uh, a lot of sports shows, ESPN, podcasts, stuff like that, and a lot of them talk about week one does not reflect what type of team you are. And I truly believe that. Week one doesn't mean shit in the NFL.
0: Well, and we talked about it already, just the fact that we're not 100% sold on the fact that Justin Fields, it was the issue in that game. Um, Play calling obviously played into a big part of it. Justin Fields, like you said, what was like 11 for nine for 11. 11. He was nine for 11, like starting out the game. He was looking good. He was doing fine. Um, And even Justin came out and said himself that he felt like he was playing conservative through part of the game. Like he he felt that he should have taken more chances, thrown it up to DJ Moore and let DJ Moore make something happen. But he said that he was playing slightly conservative as well. Um, on top of that, I know we talked play calling, just like what are you going to do as a quarterback when, you know, you're in a two-minute and your OC is like, all right, we're running the ball. Like are, are you just going to not listen or are you going to do what he says? Ultimately, any good quarterback should just – do what the OC says, even if he's dead wrong. And that is not what we needed right there. But, you know, at least he listens.
1: Yeah, that's true. And like Luke Getzey and Justin Fields connection is going to be the biggest make or break of this season. Luke Getzey and Justin Fields, how they communicate and how they figure it out. And they need to start trusting each other. Luke Etsy does not trust Justin Fields, and Justin Fields does not trust our offensive line. Those are two things, which I get it, dude. Like, I get it. Justin Fields, I understand why you don't trust our offensive line. They played like ass. The only bright bright spot on our offensive line was Darnell Wright. And he was a, he's a rookie in his first NFL game. Cody Whitehair needs to step it up. Braxton, uh, Braxton Jones needs to step it up. These veteran guys really need to step it up. And I think this week we're going to see a different Bears team. I think we'll come out a little more with a little more pep in our step. And I think we're going to make DJ Moore a spotlight against this. And the best thing about this is DJ Moore is used to playing Tampa Bay twice a year. And he's had some of his best games against the Buccaneers. And so, like, I'm excited to see if DJ Moore can make some things happen this week and Chicago comes out with a win. I think so.
0: I hope so. I I really, really hope Chicago can come out with a win. If not a win, I hope they can just come out looking good. You know, like, even if they come out with a loss here against Tampa Bay, I just hope at the very least that they look good doing it I, I hope that justin fields throws the ball well hits his targets runs the ball a little bit still i just i hope we look like a competent football team at the end of the day and not just a disaster on the field
1: we need to win this game i i hate to say it but we need to win this game because if we go zero and two and we play kansas city the week after we're fucked i hate yeah. to say it we'll be zero and three and then we play detroit right after i know We can't start the year 0 and 4. Like, we're done before we even got started. So, we need to come out and we need to win this game. This is going to be a statement game. I did. uh, It's funny. On DraftKings, they had a uh, plus 950 odds of Justin Fields throwing over 250 yards, and I put $10 on it yeah hey, it'll pocket, like it pocket me like nine hundred or not it'll pocket me like nine dollar and ninety five dollars a 95 five dollars so I'm really hoping uh Justin Fields comes and has the best game because he had two hundred and sixteen against Green Bay like there's a chance right I you mean, just he's need never... him to
0: throw you just need him to throw like four fifty yard screens
1: <laughs> yeah well, that's it. Uh, that's the other embarrassing fact of about last week's game is Justin only threw the ball three times down the field more than ten yards, and all three times or two times of it was to DJ Moore. Like that's another factor that really hurt us. Luke Getze, you need to trust your franchise quarterback. Well, I and know-
0: Luke Luke Getze is known for that too. Like he is a conservative type play caller. He is not yes. a big take shots, push the ball like try to hammer it down the field kind of guy. So that right there is just a fault of, I don't know if it's not per se trusting Justin Fields. I just think he is a conservative kind of guy who needs to understand that to win football games, especially as a lower level team, because I'm not going to deny what we are. We are a lower level team. And when you want to win games in that position, you got to take shots.
1: Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Um, we talked a lot about the offensive side of the ball, but like our defense, man, uh, they need to step up. Eddie Jackson got burnt, burnt. The only bright spot on our defense last week was Tyreek Stevenson, a rookie cornerback. Man, he hits hard. I love watching Tyreek Stevenson play, but Eddie Jackson, like you are our mentor. You are our veteran presence on the defensive side of the ball. You need to step up. And, and that's going
0: to be a rough look this week because Kyler Gordon is going to be out for the next, yeah. what, five? Five, five weeks, I think. Yeah, he... Something like that.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's the worst part, too. But it's also like a blessing in disguise because I feel like we whiffed on Kyler Gordon. And now we get to see more Tyreek Stevenson. We get to see what he is made of and see him perform, if he can perform. And like what he we saw last week, he did a good job. So I'm hoping this week we can see more of it and maybe we found a hidden gem.
0: Fingers crossed. Let's hope so. But uh, moving into some other games we have coming up, we've got Chiefs and Jaguars. That's another noon game. Chiefs starting out the season 0-1. Do they go (laughs)
1: 0-2? You know what? Um, I would have never thought that, right? But the Jaguars look good. They look good in week one. Trevor Lawrence looks good. I like the Jaguars. Uh,
0: Would they play week
1: one? The Jags, they played um, the uh, Colts week one, 31 Hmm. to 21. Uh, They had a good performance in week one. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, uh, the numbers speak for himself, 24 for 32, 241 yards and two TDs. Like that's a pretty good stat line. And uh, Travis Etienne looked good, but like the big play was the acquisition of Calvin Ridley. Like him, uh, Trevor Lawrence getting the number one receiver, kind of like Justin Fields did and DJ Moore. Calvin Ridley is now Trevor Lawrence's number one guy. He had a hundred yards receiving and he looked good doing it. And Doug Peterson, he is great team building co- head coach. Not the greatest XO guy, but he he's that rah-rah guy.
0: Well, and you need. And that. as a head coach, you don't really need to be an XO guy. No, like, you need your coordinator. In, in my mind, your head coach is not should not be your XO guy. Your XO guy are your coordinators. That is their job. That is what they do. They coordinate the offense, the defense, the special teams. Your head coach is that guy. That he's there for culture. He's there to solve problems, to put out fires, as our head coach says. Our, our head coach has said it before. He's like. Um, his job is like oh, all you do as a head coach is just put out fires. Like you do less of the football, you do more putting out fires. That's your job. <laughs> but um, no, so yeah, he doesn't need to be a huge XO guy. Like culture, team team bonding, building whatever. Like that that is your job as a head coach. But um, I think the Chiefs win this regardless. I I the Jags look good. Sure, skimping out in a close knit victory over the Colts though, just doesn't, doesn't really push the needle for me. I, they might put up a good fight. I think they might give the chiefs another good run for their money a little bit, but ultimately I think the chiefs are like, Hey, like fuck around and find out we, we fucked around against the lions. We found out they're going to have their shit together, ready to go week two.
1: I don't think so. Uh, I disagree. I think, Jags come out and they beat it. And then Kansas City is going to be real pissed off when they play their week three opponent and just going to railroad the week three opponent. Um, but I think we're going to be, I think we're going to see uh, an overreaction to like the NFL media and everybody, oh, the Chiefs are done for, they're 0-2. I think this is a game that they dropped. And I think Jacksonville moves up to two and zero, and Kansas City moves down to zero and two. This is my bold prediction for the week. So we'll see. All right.
0: Well, we will see about that one then. Uh, After that, another noon game. We've got Packers and Falcons. Both teams one and zero. Who who do the Falcons have going for them right now? Who's their quarterback? Who's their big playmakers?
1: Well, not the quarterback uh their quarterback's Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, and he's okay. okay like he that's didn't not have bad. A, yeah, he didn't have a bad performance against the Carolina Panthers in week one um he had he was fifteen for eighteen hundred and fifteen yards and one t d We talk about Jimmy Garoppolo not doing like not doing fancy things that's Desmond Ritter. they're not asking Desmond Ritter to do much. they got a two headed monster down in Atlanta right now, in the best offensive line in football, Uh, Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson. Both of those players balled out in week one. Uh, Tyler Algier had uh, 15 carries, 75 yards, and two TDs. Bijan had 10 carries, 56 yards, but he also contributed to 27 through the air and one touchdown through the air. So two-headed monster down in Atlanta, um, running the ball, and behind the best offensive line in football?
0: I don't know how to pick this one. Not going to lie. I
1: I think Atlanta beats Green Bay. I hate to say it. um, Well, no, I don't hate to say it. I love to say it. Um, I think Green Bay, it's a losing culture in Chicago, and they knew it, and they have a winning culture in Green Bay. And so they were never afraid of playing Chicago in week one. They knew they, were, they had a win circled on the calendar. And I hate to say that, but like at the end of the day, this isn't the Chicago Bears. This is the Atlanta Falcons, and I think Atlanta's the better team overall. And I think Atlanta moves up to 2-0. Oh, uh, Jordan Love struggles a little bit more than he did against Chicago's Mickey Mouse defense. And I think uh, the Falcons take it.
0: I'll get behind yet. I'm I'm going to ride your train. I'm going to say uh, Falcons over the Packers because fuck Jordan Love. I still want him to be just a doo-doo failure. <laughs> but, all right, Falcons moving on, please. Next up, Seahawks versus Lions. Last noon game we'll talk about. Uh, Geno Smith didn't do anything crazy last week with the Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, did not look great. I I had him as a fantasy quarterback and I was I was like, "Wow." Okay. Yeah. Uh Lions 1-0 against the Chiefs. I I really don't have any questions here. I I think the Lions take this one pretty easily.
1: I do too. Uh I think this could be a trap game for Detroit riding high after beating Kansas City week 1, but I still think uh Detroit pulls this off pretty handily. Uh like we said, I mean, we talked a lot about Detroit Jared Goff is a great quarterback, at least a good quarterback. Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, their defense is impeccable. And Geno Smith struggled, man. like I want to get back to that. He struggled like 16 for 26, 112 yards passing in one TD. No interceptions, but he was also sacked twice. They played the Rams, they looked okay. Uh, but I'm nervous. I like I think, you know, maybe last year was a fairy tale. Uh, ending for line. Geno. Yeah, ending for Gino Smith because like he did not look good.
0: Yeah, we we will see how he plays against the Lions. Hopefully, he will be somewhat improved to some degree. I I don't know. I do have him as a fantasy quarterback, a backup, thankfully behind Deshaun Watson. But so not too concerned with it. But still, I would like a nice, competent backup quarterback going forward there. Next, we've got 49ers versus the Rams, both one and zero. This will be the three o'clock game. Uh, 49ers, I, I think 49ers take it. I haven't even watched the Rams play. I don't think, but like, I just I like the 49ers. They, how do you not root for the 49ers? They have got the perfect team built right there.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I'm cheering for the 49ers, but I think this could be a good game. Like the Rams, they're healthy. Last year, they were never truly healthy. Remember, this is a team that won the Super Bowl two years ago. Literally just two years ago. And they got most of their players still from that Super Bowl winning team. Like, that's the thing that people forget. Like, the Rams, they had such a terrible season. Well, Matt Stafford got hurt last year. He was hurt all year long. They started Baker Mayfield half the year. And so, like, I'm just... Like, I, I don't know what to make of the L.A. Rams. Like, I think Aaron Donald's great. They have a good defense. Uh, receivers are good. Cooper Cup's Aaron there. Donald's
0: done, isn't he? He's not still there. Who?
1: Aaron Donald? No, yeah, he's still, he's still L.A. Ram. Is he still around? I yeah, thought he retired. Quarter? No, he never retired. But uh, Matt Stafford last week, he threw for 24 for 38 and 334 yards. It looked back like he was the Matt Stafford old again. And is von so, Miller still there uh no he's a Buffalo Bill
0: right so okay so yeah. you're missing von Miller you're missing obj not huge crucial pieces but I don't know I don't think the Rams will be quite back to Super Bowl bound uh, I still think yeah. 49ers
1: <laughs> yeah no I am just saying playing devil's advocate with it like I For do sure think I think I think 49ers do take it they have hands down And it's not me being biased, but I think they have the best team in the NFL right now. After seeing what Philly has done the first two weeks, struggling with the Patriots, struggling with the Vikings, and seeing what Kansas City did with struggling with the Lions, uh, and the Bills struggling with the Jets, I do think the 49ers out of the four teams that were in the AFC and NFC Championship have the best team right now. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is huge. Brandon Ayuk has blossomed into this amazing player. Um, he's overshadowed. He's
0: also on my fantasy team, and he got, like, 34 points for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's overshadowed Debo Samuel. So, like, he, I mean, the 49ers are fun to watch. And maybe it's because they got an Iowa guy starting that quarterback, Iowa State guy, but they're fun And, and George Kittle. They got an yeah. Iowa guy, too. Yep, George Kittle. I, I like, I like san francisco and i think they do win this game but watch out for la like that's okay. all I'm saying.
0: i'll give you that i'll give you that but speaking of iowa tight ends too i just want to point yeah. out the fact i'm sure you're watching but the tj hawkinson tight end for the vikings right now actually just scored actually had i think he had a couple of receptions just on this uh scoring drive by the vikings there's about a minute left in the game in the fourth quarter here uh vikings just threw like drove down the field to score I think Hawkinson had a couple of those right now he's like I am just guessing I'm not looking at an actual stat but I personally have seen him make like seven receptions I think one or two touchdowns I think two touchdowns right now so shout out to Iowa tight ends tight end you baby tight end you
1: uh no, yeah. I just checked. I was really hoping that was gonna go to Jordan Addison, but you know, it is what it is.
0: I was hoping it was gonna go to Justin Jefferson, but you know, I'm I'm happy with an Iowa title as
1: <laughs> I uh I hate it because like I find myself cheering for players I would never cheer for ever. Right. And but they're it's just because I need to beat Greg Pauly in our fantasy league. Right. Um <sighs>
0: but no, uh, all right. Last game we'll talk about coming up in the NFL. We have the 1-0 Jets versus the 1-0 Cowboys. This is going to be the three thirty game coming up on Sunday. Uh, this is honestly a little difficult for me to say. I don't know. This is like a battle of the defenses right here, right? Like, I mean, Cowboys offense, sure. Like, cool. Jets offense, obviously missing Rogers, but, like, can kind of get some things done. But, like, these defenses the Cowboys defense just absolutely popped off in their uh week one game against the team that they played. I can't remember giants
1: uh, giants. Yeah.
0: Giants Cowboys defense absolutely popped off against the giants. Uh, that was just insane. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see who comes out on top of this one. Uh, overall, I think, I think I'm going to go Cowboys.
1: Yeah, I just, <sighs> I think I'm taking Jets. I think they're going to come out and they're going to win two, uh, and then go 2-0 and o with Zach Wilson. And hear me out. And there's one reason. Dak Prescott. In a weird way, I think Dak Prescott is the worst quarterback in this matchup against Zach Wilson and Dak. He's decreased in value the last couple of years, and he struggled in week one. Like his stat line, 13 completions, 24 attempts, and 143 yards. Not great. And the only reason they scored 40 points was because of that defense and Tony Pollard. their are uh, starting running back. So like, I, I am not a Dak believer. I think Dak is kind of starting to lose that job. I think at the end of the year, we're going to see Trey Lance and Cooper rush uh, starting for the Dallas Cowboys. I think that the jets are going to win this because their defense is phenomenal. If they can make if they can make Josh Allen throw p- three picks and he's the top 10 quarterback in the league, they're going to terrorize Dak Prescott. This is going to be like a 10 or a 13 to three, 13 to 10, 13 to seven type ball game, low scoring. And I think jets take it through, uh, and they move to two and zero.
0: The real question is who is going to be terrorized more is uh, Micah Parsons going to be the fear of Zach Wilson's dreams for the next week Or is the Jets defense going to be the kryptonite of Dak Prescott? We will find out. We will see.
1: Yeah, and that comes back to the running game for the New York Jets. I mean, they have a two-headed monster also. Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook. It's going to be whoever can control the game by running the football there's not going to be many passing uh like many passing yards in this game it's going to be a quick game it's going to be like a two and a half, uh, two and a half hour game because it's going to be a run in the ball all damn game because hey, like, i am
0: in favor of that
1: yeah no kidding <laughs> but yeah so it'll be interesting to see but i do think jets move to two and oh and dallas falls to one and one
0: all right well we will find out next week um We'll figure out what time we're exactly we're recording next week. Uh, like we said, it's going to be a little chaotic from here on out. But uh, we will get you an episode sometime. But that's all I have to say right now. Uh, there is only a minute left in this game. I think it's pretty well over and fair to say that the Eagles have won 34-28 to 28 against the Vikings. Uh, I'll have to check my fantasy, see how Justin Jefferson did. I'm playing against Jalen Hurt, though. So that'll i will be an interesting little who, who did better right now. So, uh, Avery
1: closing thoughts. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm just excited. Football's back. I think the bears are going to win the super bowl this year. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, all right, guys, uh, go Hawkeyes and bear down.